It's July 21st, 2009, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Today's guest is Ed Morris, a photographer who took on the amazing challenge of bicycling cross-country to photograph mayors from small towns to big cities. There's already a physical and mental challenge involved in bicycling across the country, but add to that the logistical and creative challenges of making images as well, and you can appreciate the effort involved in such a project. The book, Mayors Across America, includes images from his journey, and I encourage you to check it out for yourself. But for now, sit back and enjoy our conversation with Ed Morris. Well, welcome, Ed, to The Candid Frame. I'm really excited about having you on the on the show and, and talking about your, your project. But let's begin with, with your beginnings as a, as a photographer. When did you camp, come to discover photography, and when did it become for you, you know, a viable way to... to uh, create a career uh well first of all thank you for having me um i think like a lot of folks for me it was it was just sort of a childhood uh kind of hobby i had one of those fisher price cameras you know as a very young child and uh at some point took a a picture which was effectively just a a silhouette and that seemed really cool and it was like uh hey i like this and my actually my first career path was in the maritime and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, when I was looking at schools, um, I, I stumbled, I had two passions. So I was looking at the maritime being on the water and I was looking at photography. And as I began to look at schools, I, uh, I discovered the, the Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara. So I went and took a look at it. And I would say that, uh, Santa Barbara, the town in and of itself played a, at least a small role in my decision to pursue photography as a career path, as opposed to working in the maritime, but uh, it's something that I think I've always enjoyed and, and every, I mean, as long as I, as long as I can remember, I've always carried a camera to, on trips, vacations as a kid, um, and I don't think I really realized um, that you could make a career of it um, until I went to Brooks and, and did the tour and talked to the folks there, and so it was, it was kind of at the, you know, seeing the school and doing that thing that kind of showed me that you could make a life doing this. And what were you... Um aspiring to do in terms of the photographic work i look at your website and i see you do a lot of you know advertising and, and corporate work was that what you always wanted to do because the project that you, you're doing that we're going to talk about in a minute um seems uh, much more personal and documentary and stylist compared to the work that i see predominantly on your website well i think that that's the reality that everyone who goes to who goes into the field of photography generally speaking is uh, we all kind of envision ourselves becoming uh, National Geographic photographers or something. And you get out there and you realize that there's this whole broader world um, and uh, and different work pays differently. And, um, you know, as you discover the industry, I think you realize, okay, there's there's a whole lot more to this thing than traveling around the world and, and, and shooting pictures of beautiful places. And I, I definitely made that discovery while I was in school. So I think, you know, my... The project you're talking about, you know, probably rings truer to my my initial uh, vision of what I would do as a photographer. 
And my website work is kind of probably more representative of, of what I've been successful at, um, commercially speaking, fiscally, you know, financially speaking. So how, how long ago did you graduate, Brooks, and how long did it take your business as a professional photographer to take off to the point that you'd be able to do such a, like a pers- personal project like the one you did? Well, I think that that's actually um, the advantage I've, I've had in, in, in being able to, to finish this project has been that I did the actual photography some years ago while I was still in Brooks, and that was actually in uh, 2000. So the principal photography was all was all shot then in 2000. Um, I took some time off. I explored some other interests. Um, my wife and I took a, sort of a sabbatical, and I really didn't re-enter the industry until uh, 2004. And I got into the sandbag chucking business. You know, working in automotive. Um, you know, as just a, an assistant and kind of worked my way up there. And, I was uh, a year and a half ago. I decided to step out on my own, and my timing was was probably not the best. Um, yeah, things have been it's been tough right now. So to say that I've got I don't think, for one thing I don't think anyone in this business ever gets it up and it goes. It doesn't ever. I don't I don't think the work ever stops. So um, I, I, that kind of encourages me to uh, to just keep plugging at it. And right now, things have, have been slow. The industry seems to have slowed down a bit. And work, it's been a tough time for me to get going. And so I looked at it, and I said, you know, now is the time. I've got the time. Uh, I've taken myself sort of off the call sheets for, for all the assisting work and, and digital tech and the stuff I was doing there. And I said, you know, let's let's just project up. We we had the My wife and I had the resources and uh, the time to, to put it together and to do it right finally. So... I looked at this opportunity that works, you know, commercial work slowing down, and so let's let's finish this personal project and let's let's make this thing right and let's get it out and share it with folks, and uh, and hopefully by the time we're we're wrapping stuff up with the book that that um, things in the in the general marketplace will begin picking up again. Well, let's tell our listeners about the project mayors across America. How how this sort of came about as as an idea, and how did you? You know, what was the process of, of, of making it happen? Um, so the first time, but my brother and I, and let me start there. My brother and I were in, I'm from Maryland, from Severna Park, Maryland, and uh, my brother and I were both back. I had actually been at a maritime training program um, for a few months, and my brother had been traveling, and um, we had done some traveling together. And uh, we both wound up back in, in Severna Park at my, my folks' house, we were just kind of going to spend the summer um, hanging out and um, just just really working at working for my parents and just doing odd jobs and, and just kind of enjoying the summer. And we knew we both in the fall were headed off to uh, we're both headed to California. I was headed to go to, to Brooks Institute, and my brother was uh, headed to Newport Beach to begin his electro, electrical engineering career. So we were. Uh, Sitting around at some point, and uh, and my my father alleges that we were overserved. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, my brother said, you know, hey, let's ride our bicycles out there. And uh, I'm usually not a hard sell, so I said sure. So within a couple of weeks, we had we had uh, found route maps. We had gone and bought bicycles, and uh, and we took off. And it's a we rode from. Washington D.C. to uh, Seattle, Washington. It's a 3,600-mile uh, ride, and we did that in 38 days. And the thing was that my vision was initially to to shoot pictures the whole way. I was going out to start photography school, so 
I wanted to shoot photographs the whole way across. Well, 3,600 miles in 38 days is, works out to about 100 miles a day, and it doesn't allow for a whole lot of time to shoot pictures. And even if it did, you wouldn't want to because you'd just be spent. So needless to say, we didn't do a whole lot of photography, but I absolutely love the experience. The writing is, is sometimes tough, but it's fun, it's peaceful, it's, um, it's, you know, it's great physical activity. And the culture, the people and the places that we saw and that we went through um, struck me pretty profoundly. And I thought, you know, gosh, I've got, there's just something here. I've got to come back and, and shoot this. So it was towards the end of my uh, education at, at, um, at Brooks that I said, you know, I think I want to do this trip again. And I started working with my advisors, excuse me, because I was going to do this as a um, for credit project through the school. And I started working with my advisors to to come up with a plan for it and to get it approved by them. And, and the tough thing that we were struggling with is how do you, my, my mission is to sort of document the uh, rural America as contrasted with the larger metropolitan cities was effectively what I, what I, what I was setting out to do. That's what I sit down and told the instructors and advisors. And they said, you know, you need to find a focus there. You need to find so some kind of, some, something to tell that story. You can't pull in and photograph and document every town along the way. It'll take you a lifetime. So Ralph Clevenger was my advisor at the time, and he, he pushed on me pretty hard to, to keep working on it and finding it. And he said, you know, at one point he said, you know, what was it about? What is it about doing this trip that has you wanting to do it again? And uh, there was one particular experience where um, you ride into town and uh, the maps we had tell you these, they give you these little sort of hints and clues as to how to do everything. And it, the map actually said that if you go and if you go up and ask the mayor, or I'm sorry, if you if you call the phone number on there and talk to the mayor, and you go to his house, and they'll give you a key to the pavilion where they like let you take a shower and and clean up, you know, do your clothes and wash your clothes in the sink or whatever, and and sleep in the. Um, uh, they had like a covered building there, so. You, and when I relayed that story to him, he said, you know, there you go. That's your, that's your story. And I thought about it for a while. And I thought, you know, the mayor's an elected official. They represent the community. They, they represent the town. Um, that could work. So uh, they signed off on the project, provided that I, I do that. And uh, I called the mayor in Santa Barbara. At that, at that time, it was Harriet Miller. And, uh, she, and asked her if she would be willing to, to let me do her photograph for this project as a test to sort of see one, would mayors be interested in doing something like this? And she was incredibly cooperative. And once I had that first photograph, it was, uh, we knew we were good to go, and we began with uh, the logistics of, uh, of planning the project. And how long, how much effort was involved in those logistics before you even got on your bike and started making the trek? You know, if, for someone who's trying to do the trip, it doesn't have to be hard. I mean, essentially, all you need is a bicycle, the tent, you know, the, the, just, just the essentials, two changes of riding clothes and a change of, you know, walking clothes. Um, it doesn't have to be difficult. I was probably overzealous in my planning. Uh, I anticipated getting sponsorships and uh, lots of that kind of stuff, and we were somewhat successful in doing that. We had some big names, but most of the most of the sponsorships were more token sponsorships. It's a funny thing. Um, until you're very well established, people generally don't believe you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Um, when I first said that I was going to ride my bicycle across the country, I can't tell you how many people said, "No, you're not." They didn't just just didn't believe it. Um, we'd be in Montana, 
And people say, ah, you're not going to make it. Okay, we've ridden 3,000 miles. I think we'll push out the last 600. People still doubt you. Um, and we ran into that. I say we. It's prim- it was primarily me doing this. But that's the corporate we speaking there. Um, but I ran into that in trying to go get sponsorships and stuff. People just didn't believe that I was going to go do this. But we got some great support from my family and friends. And, and uh, I guess so I, like, to answer your question in a long roundabout way is that I spent a tremendous amount of time trying to make the project a bigger production. Um, and in retrospect, I think I probably would have been just as well to, to just save the time and the money and doing all that stuff and just get on the bike and go. Um, the best sponsorship we had by far was uh, Brooks. Um, they hired a publicist. Of course, they, they had their doubts too. They didn't hire the publicist, I think, until we were in like, like eastern Montana. So but once they did that, um, that helped a lot. They got a lot of press out of it, and it helped us um, you know, along the way. We got some, some great media coverage and that kind of thing. But, I mean, I don't have a finite answer to your question in terms of how long it took, but it mm-hmm. took too long to get all the logistics together. In, in terms of the mayors that you contacted in each town, um, you had contacted them before you would arrive at the town, I suspect. I tried not to. Oh, really? Um, okay. I, I was really hoping to uh, to surprise them in a sense. Um, there was some, like the first town was Seattle, and Seattle is a huge city, so you, you have to you have to plan with those towns. You can't just go in and say, "Hey, man, where's the mayor?" Um, you're not going to have any success there. <clears throat> but um, for the most part, in all but the largest metropolitan cities, um, if the mayor's in town. Um, you can you can literally just call them up and or or find them in a diner or something and say you know hey here's what I'm doing and I'd like for you to participate um, and the, and I'm glad that I did that because you get a different thing you know we would find most of these mayors are most of the mayors in this series and I think most of the mayors in the country are, are from very are relatively small towns and communities and um, they are not full time paying positions so they're always at like their jobs you know in the in the series there's a we have a mayor working at Costco. Uh, there's a mayor working at an Exxon station. Um, you know, and and what was really neat about um, not calling it is that we would go into town and find it. Certainly, it probably took us more time to do it this way, but it was worth it because we would find them where they are. And I think that that was very very helpful and instrumental in in helping to make. So we're trying to document one town with one photograph to give people, my goal is like, if people look at this photograph of the mayor, they look at the mayor, what and where they are, and, and the background information, and they can kind of arrive at some judgment and some sense of that town. And, and I think I did that successfully, and if people can do that, then I have done it successfully. Um, so that, I mean, that was my goal, and it really worked out. Um, it really helped a lot to, to surprise them and find them. And then by the same same token, in, in towns like, like D.C., for example, the mayor at the time was uh, Anthony Williams. And Mayor Williams, we were meeting at, literally, we met him as he was walking out of a building and into the, I think it was the Department of Commerce in D.C. And he was literally walking out of the building and into his uh, limo. And our picture was taken, like, basically, in the frame you can't even see it, but but it's basically, there's like the Secret Service or, or, or the Security Service um, and uh, and his, you know, PR people with that, like to the outside of the edges of either frame. I mean, we literally just turn and grab him. 
Mary Williams, this is Ed Morris, just rode his bicycle across the country, and he'd like to take your photograph. We took the photograph, it was a matter of like 30 seconds, he got in his car and went, and that was it. And wow. so, and in some ways that helps to tell that story too, because it's like this instantaneous like thing in the bigger city. What are your perceptions, how did they change in terms of what the what you wanted the project to be when you first started out, particularly your own personal perceptions about these people who take these positions of authority throughout the country? Um, you know, in terms of what did I, what what did I learn about them? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you may have had some impressions in terms of what it means to be a mayor in a, in a town in America. Did that that sort of change? I know you didn't really have a long time to spend with each individual, but I would suspect that you probably had some surprises. Um, you know, along the way, along the journey. Uh, I think there were, it was continual surprises. I think the reason I was initially drawn to do the trip again is the same reason that I was just continually blown away uh, on the second trip. It's, I think we all have sort of a, a, a Batman and Robin kind of vision of the mayor. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's this, it is this great American, like the sort of historical uh, character and and I mean you hear you read and hear about the mayor I mean in in movies and in books and all this stuff it's they're they're all a lot of times it's, they're the central figure of uh, of the, a lot of different stories I think you know you almost don't even have a sense that they're, that they're a real person and especially for those of us from larger cities it's not like any of us have ever known the mayor or generally speaking you know most of us haven't known the mayor or or even met or seen the mayor. Um, I think the most striking thing for me was um, that you could walk into town. Like so many times, we would go into town and, and ask, you know, do you happen to know who the mayor is? We might find them, and it would be somebody would turn around and point at, at a guy sitting across the way. Yeah, there he is. That, that's the mayor. It was, it was very eye-opening to see that, like, when you move into these smaller communities, that's what it is. It, it's then that's what. Um, these, these are really just an individual who has volunteered their time to, to do what needs to be done to help the community um, move forward. Yeah. And they're not just these politicians. And the sense of people, is, I, I think, is probably one of the more interesting aspects of doing this trip. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to have inhabited a, a city along the coast, but when you start moving through the heart of the country... Um, you really get a sense of how different people are, what the cultures and the personalities and, and the level of interaction that, that, that occurs as a result of going in and out of larger cities and going into smaller communities. That For me, I, I remember when I, when I drove across the country for the first time, that was eye-awakening for me. But what, what was your experience outside of just the, the, the people you ended up photographing? Uh, mine was the same as yours. It, it, it will... One, I think you raised a really interesting point. And, and I think for most of us who get into photography and who love to travel, we think about traveling to all these exotic places all over the world. And, and that is fun and it's fantastic. And, and I would still love to do it. But you do not have to leave this country to have a fantastic cultural experience. Uh, we get kind of branded as this amorphous blob, as if we, we have no cultural identity. And I think that's completely false. Uh, and I think people who have thoroughly traveled the country would agree with me. Uh, when you get out there and see it, it is, it is incredible. It's rich with culture, interesting people. And the thing that will really blow, blow pretty much anyone away um, is that is the hospitality. It is incredible. Complete and total strangers. 
just inviting you to stay in their home. Uh, we had countless meals that were just that people would just pay for our meal. They, they'd hear us talking about what we're doing, and then and they would pay for our meal. And quite often, anonymously, we'd go to pay our check, and uh, and it'd be paid. Um, the conversations we had. They're just fantastic. I mean, people are there. They're, they don't believe what we're doing. Or, I mean, they do. They believe they're seeing it, but uh, but they're blown away by it. Um, yeah, the, the people were incredible. It was every, almost every interaction. And there are negative times too. You run into some bad, bad apples. I mean, that's true everywhere. Um, but the overwhelming majority was so positive and was such an incredible experience that it's. I mean, it, it, I don't even mention it in the book. It's not worth mentioning. Those people are. They're, they're too few and, and too far to even talk about. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about the physical challenges uh, of it, because I think most people think about, you know, bicycling across the country and they, they see it as very daunting. But, you know, on top of that, you know, you're, you're traveling however many miles that you have to, you know, ride each day. But on top of that, you're, you have photographic gear and you have to be prepared to make an image whenever you encounter the mayor. So, how did you, how did you negotiate all of those those physical challenges, and particularly um, with you know having to make photographs, uh, regardless of how you know, exhausted you may have been at any given point? Um, that's an that's an insightful question. It sounds like you've done the trip almost. Right. Um, the <laughs> the uh, that is the hard part. Um, but, you know, I didn't mention that very next. I forgot the, um, my, my good friend, Tim Hovey, and I meant to mention this at the very outset, but I would, and I would say here that, like, one, doing this trip alone is, I wouldn't even consider it. Um, I, would, I know that I would personally go crazy. But, two, uh, you have, so if you have to pick someone, the person you pick to ride with you is probably the most important decision you're going to make throughout the entire trip. And if you pick the wrong person, I promise that trip's going to be, it's going to be toxic at some point, um, and it may not even, you may not even be able to finish it. So anyone who's looking to consider something like that, it's very important that you pick someone that you know well and that you feel confident that you can spend something like 59 days pretty much, you know, neck and neck, uh, 24-7 with. So um, that said, uh, having somebody else with you, like Tim Hovey, who, is, who was my riding partner, um, and he got on board with the mission. So, like you said, it, it, it was difficult because you've been riding mountain passes or, or, or riding into the wind all day or whatever it is. And when you got into town, we still got to get off bikes and go find the mayor. Um, and it was exhausting uh, at times. But having another person who was aligned with the cause was really instrumental in, in making it do it. Because there were times where I would have just pre- I would have just preferred to keep riding. I was just exhausted and just let's get these miles done. We've got. 3,600 miles to ride. We need to get, you know, make some headway. And, and Tim was great about when I, when I was, when I was lacking the strength, you know, he would, he would push on me and vice versa. So we had a really good relationship and that was, that was really uh, important in, um, in making us keep pushing to go and meet 87 mayors. And by the way, it's, that number is, is only the number that we were able to get in touch with. We rode through countless towns and cities um, where, we couldn't find the mayor, uh, despite our best efforts, or the mayor was out of town. But only twice were, did we make contact with the mayor, and they and, and were refused. Ah, it's amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about just just equipment, not so much camera equipment. But I'm very curious. You know, um, you know, you're traveling across the country. You obviously have a bike, but you have to be prepared for any possibility 
you know, including problems with the bike itself. And then you have loaded with your sleeping bag, your clothes, like you mentioned, your camera equipment. So how much, how many pounds of stuff did you have to carry in, in, in sort of, in, to anticipate, you know, any possibility that, that may have occurred? Um, so our, there's two ways you can ride. You can, you, you can use a trailer. Most people use something called a Bob trailer and you load all your gear into that. You don't put anything on your bike. The other way is to do panniers and panniers are essentially saddlebags. And that's what we did. Um, it actually worked out really well because I could set my, uh, on the, on the bicycle rack, I could actually, my camera bag was strapped to it. And when I put the kickstand down, I basically had a little workstation right there with my camera bag, which opened up and that was, uh, that was pretty trick. But um, in total, we had this debate because I, I carried this this huge Bogan tripod that I was certain I was going to need, and I, I didn't have a carbon fiber or anything, and I didn't have the money to buy one when we left, so I thought I'll bring what I've got. Well, I, Tim was the one that was carrying that, and uh, I wouldn't say he was bitter about it, but he certainly <laughs> complained now and again. But uh, we had an opportunity when we were waiting to meet a mayor we were at a grand scale, and I think this was in, it was in Mon- either Montana or North Dakota. I can't recall off the top of my head. I could find out. But um, we had an opportunity to roll our bicycles onto a grain scale. And I kind of asked the guy, I said, you know, how accurate is that thing? He said, that, that thing's accurate within a pound or two. And so Tim rolled his bike out there, and his bike weighed in at 90 pounds. And I rolled mine out there, and it weighed in at like 91, or I'm sorry, like 89 pounds. So there's only like a pound difference. So, uh, but the bikes were heavy, very heavy, and that's you. That really was in large part due to the one we're completely unsupported. So you have to carry your tent and your clothes, and and you get all that stuff trimmed down. But there's like you said, you've got to be prepared for certain things. Um, you can't be prepared for everything. You have to be willing to to accept that there's going to be times where you're just not prepared, and you're going to have to rely on. Uh, improvising or, or the, you know, the goodwill of the folks around you. But um, the cameras added a tremendous amount of weight. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to another guest um, a couple of years back who did a similar project. She had um, um, had a existing photographic business, which she sold, and then she got, you know, her car and a trailer, and she traveled across the country just photographing craftsmen. You know, people who actually made things with 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 their hands, and huh. and it's an and it's um and it's an idea that I think a lot of people have. They dream about you know getting in a vehicle, traveling across the country, and making photographs. But so many people don't end up doing it. And what do you think it takes to be able to make the leap and say, "I have this idea." And then going out and just actually making it happen. What do you think keeps so many people from living out that dream, whether it's traveling across the country to make photographs or, or some other photographic project that they have in mind that they think would be a great idea? Well, I think the short answer to that is fear. I, I think that's generally the answer to, you know, why why won't people jump? Why don't they take the leap? It's it's. I think when you you can talk about it all day, but when you get down to it, it's fear. Um, and I think you can overcome fear. Uh, how would you say it? You can overcome fear, fear two ways. You know, you can sort of, you can kind of embrace it, acknowledge what it is, and accept the risk and move forward. Or you can be naive. Generally speaking, I'm, I do the, the latter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and I think that that's, that was definitely for me, you know, it was just being naive. I, I kind of, and I think a lot of us, you know, all, we're probably all of us photographers, you know, we look at the world, we have a vision. Um, and sometimes we don't see the hurdles along the way. We just see that end result. And I think for me, like seeing that end result, what this book now has finally come about, um, getting to this point has been a tremendous effort. This is what I have seen in, in, my, in the back of my mind, in my mind's eye, for all these years. And tell me about putting the book together, because you had mentioned that this is a project you had shot some years ago, but it, it's only been recently that you've been putting it together. Tell me about the process of making the book and how that changed your perspective of the images and the whole project as a result of sitting sitting down and, and making something tangible that you can hold in your hand. Um, well, it's it's been... Uh, well, for, for one thing, I would say that you know, in talking about the, the fear and, and making this, making it through to completion on these things, it has proved to me, it proved out in my case at least, that uh, it is far easier to ride a bicycle 3,600 miles across the country um, and photograph the mayor in each town than it is to publish a book. Um, that's, that's been my experience. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to get this done by myself on my own, and uh, I got it to a certain place, and I showed it to a friend who said, uh, you know, you need to, this looks good, but you need to keep pushing. It's not there yet. And I'm glad that he did that. Uh, and as a friend of mine, Rich Weissach, you know, I went to, or I didn't go to school with, but he, uh, I worked with him in the industry a bunch. And uh, he pushed on me to do that. And so I, I made a connection with um, a firm called Aikens Parker, a design firm. And getting them in t involved and bringing somebody, a new set of eyes, and somebody to see the story as how the consumer or the, you know, the viewer might see it, not just through my own eyes. So I effectively handed them the project. I gave them a box of all my knickknacks. I gave them everything I had. I gave them the book I had done, all the photography, and kind of said, see what you come up with. And that was kind of a, it was a big leap, and I didn't, I didn't really know uh, that I was doing the right thing by doing that because we all want these things to be our vision. But the problem I had was that, for me, it was just about the mayors, and I had really left the cycling out of the story in, in the book that I was working on. And when these guys came back, they had this beautifully integrated um, design that, that wove the, the story of the cycling and of the photographing of the mayors together. Um, so I think like what I definitely learned and what I would, I would say to anyone who's, who's thinking about doing this is don't try and do it all on your own. It's important to, to get other people's perspectives and to get other people, other creatives involved, excuse me, to, um, to make something successful. It, it, it has proved the sing, probably the single best decision I made other than just to do, just to do the trip itself was to, in the end, to bring some pe other creative folks together to, to make the thing really work, to make it a complete package. And, and that's a, a, a great tip because, you know, when you're so close to it, you can't tell the forest from the trees. And the fact that your own personal journey across the country was as much of a story as the people you met um, really makes it this the whole story that much more remarkable. I, I couldn't agree more, and, and I didn't, and, I, and that was something I didn't even realize. Um, I just knew that it, I had gotten it to where I could get it, and I had people telling me it's not there yet, and I and I was going, no, I, well, I'm not sure what to do with that. I'm not a designer. I'm not that I can do simple stuff, you know, like we all kind of have done, but, um, I'm really not a graphic designer. And, 
and these guys, I, you know, it was a leap. But I, I, when I after I saw their initial comps, I, I was just grinning. I was going, "This is it. This book is going to happen." Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the marketing of the book because I think it's a really important part of it. A lot of people think about producing a body of work, producing a book, and then they think it stops there. And I think a real important part is is the idea of getting the word out about it because you contacted me about, about the project. And when I saw it, I got very excited about it. But a big part of this is is getting the word out. So why don't you talk to, to us about you know, your efforts in respect to that. Cause a lot of people think that the publisher is going to handle everything. And that's, that's really not, not the, you know, the reality of it. It's still on the onus of the artist right. to, to go out there and, and, and create an awareness of it. So let's talk to us about, about what that process has been for you. Well, the process is ongoing, as you mentioned, certainly, uh, um, talking with you as a part of that process. Um, we self published, so we don't have anyone else really backing us. Um, but the effort is marketing these days, especially something like this, is, is, is very challenging, um, almost regardless of your budget. As you get into doing the Web 2.0 kind of stuff, the blogging and, and Facebook and Twitter and all these things, and it's you, as you begin doing it, and you think, oh, okay, I'm just going to do this, and then I'll get a bunch of response. But you, there's like six or seven different things you have to do, and you have to do them all daily. And getting that to work effectively is, is very difficult. And especially, I think most of us are, are kind of one-man bands, and we don't, we don't all have a, a huge war chest. So we're usually operating on a, on a limited budget. So for me, it's been persistently um, and consistently uh, sending updates to folks, building your, your, your basic email address and, and making people, your, your friends and your connections, making them advocates. Giving them the giving the people who have identified your project and who who like it and, and support it and, and believe in it, you want to empower those people. To me, that's that's what's been most effective. Um, and I, so, I mean, it that that that's been the most effective thing for me so far. On top of that, you have to go and do some of the broader stuff, some of the, the email blasting and that kind of thing. Um, but you know, there again, I mean, this all comes back to you know the website. We had we have we got somebody a great web guy to do the website for us, and um, you know if we hadn't done the we spent a lot of time putting the package and getting the website together. So that I guess in, the most important thing in marketing really is because there's so many different things to do right now. You can do the web 2.0. You can buy ad space. You can do phone calls and emails. You can, I mean, it, it's limitless what you can do in terms of ad, uh, marketing and promotion. But the most important thing to do, in my view, is to make sure that you believe that the thing that you are marketing or promoting is viable and looks beautiful. And it has to work. You know, you direct people to a website. If you're able to get somebody there, that thing better work. You get one click, one bad click, and they're gone. So, um I think for a lot of us who are one-man bands, you know, we put the site together and we've, you know, the, um, the pride of ownership kind of blinds us to some of the stuff that we should really be looking at in terms of functionality and stuff. So, yeah. Well, you, you're, you're likely part of a, of a photographic community, professional, professional photographers. And I think every photographer has, has an idea for a personal project. How important do you think is it is for a photographer be they a professional or amateur to take on a personal project, maybe not on the scale of this, 
but you know maybe even you know something smaller more intimate but how important is it to to pursue this you know these these small personal projects as part of the life of a of a photographer well my view now um as I'm sure you've talked about, on, uh, I haven't listened to all of your broadcasts, but I'm sure you've addressed, I have listened to some, but um, the, the industry's kind of changing right now. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, there is a sense in the general marketplace, I think any of us who shoot have had that experience where, where what if you sit on an airplane, if you say you're a photographer, you're in for a long conversation about somebody's camera that's broken that maybe you could fix or something like that. And so there's this sense in the general marketplace that, that everyone is a photographer. And, you know, that's, that, that's definitely affecting the marketplace. And I've kind of taken a view that, you know, that for all the technology and all the gear and all the stuff out there, search sure people can go out and they can, they can buy all the stuff and do all these things to call themselves and make themselves a photographer. But really, the, so the only thing that we really have to stand, those of us who intend on truly making a living doing this, is vision. Um, vision and production. And those are two things that you can't fake. So I think that the personal work is absolutely important. It's, it's probably, it's going to, I think we're going to see a lot more of it coming out. People trying to say, because right now you get a look and there's, if there's a look that somebody's done, it's, I mean, in a, within a month or two, it's a Photoshop plug-in. So if you're just selling a look, you know, it's, that's going to be hard to, hard to do. Um, so my thing has been to really focus on vision. And, that's, and that was a part of the reason I decided to, you know, to go ahead with the, the publication of the book, because I think this is a great, uh, it's a great demonstration of my vision. And I think that so the, import, the, the, uh, the industry is going to demand that people do personal work to show what they bring to the table. And is doing this project putting the book, uh, together and all that sort of changed the kind of work you want to pursue as opposed to what you may have been doing just before you you decided to invest so much of your time in, in putting the book together and getting it out there? It has. I'm, you know, I've done a, basically whatever anyone will call me to do. Um, I'm, I'm In the commercial realm, I'm definitely a generalist, and uh, there's all kinds of different opinions on, on what that means and, and whether it's good or bad. I think in putting this book together, it's helped me clarify my vision and it's sent me back to, you know, we all keep it mentally or, or written down or somehow we keep these notepads of concepts we have. And I would really like to see those executed. And I think that would move me into more of an, an advertising realm, uh, which which is where I think I would like to, to move ultimately. So I, I'd like to work towards that. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of work out there, but there's just, there's work that we find more rewarding. And, and for me, what I've learned in doing this book is that what I love doing is telling a story um, using images and letting them, letting them, doing them effectively so that the images tell a story. Oh, cool. Well, the last question I always ask is I ask a photographer to recommend or suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. So who would that be for you and why? Um, boy, that's tough. I know that's almost, that's put me on the spot. I know a lot of photographers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, I guess the, the one guy I, I think that I would recommend to folks, and this is, and I, and I, and I recommend that people look at this, this work, um, 
because it's uh, it is kind of an endurance thing. Uh, there's a guy named Marion Bourne of Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, he spent his life uh, doing photography on the Chesapeake Bay. I think he's published a, a handful of books. Uh, he happened to be a friend of my mother and played a large role in uh, in inspiring me. Uh, they call him the he's nicknamed the Anvil Adams of Annapolis. He does beautiful traditional black and white uh, work. But what's really incredible is that he did it his entire life, and um, and he basically stayed in that same geographical region, and uh, and he spent his lifetime building what has become the um, it is the collection of, of photographic work, uh, you know, documenting uh, an entire geographical region over the last seventy, eighty years. Wow. Uh, so it, it, he does, it, and he and since I knew him, and uh, he was really kind of the. When I wanted to go to Brooks, my he, my uh, my parents were somewhat reluctant, and uh, and he came and said to them, you know, we had dinner, and and he said to my folks, he said, you know, if if he's going to do this career path, uh, there's no better place to go. So he he helped me to to do this. I, I would uh, he has since he's passed on uh, a few years ago, but uh, you can see his work all over Annapolis, and I'm sure it's I don't know if he has a website or if his family maintains a website, but. Uh, that's a guy that I would encourage people to look at. Well, oh, that's fantastic. I look forward to finding some of his stuff, hopefully. Well, Ed, thank you so much. It was uh, a great conversation to have, and I am glad that I've learned so much about the project and that, and I think it's something where our listeners are really going to be excited to discover for themselves. But uh, real quick, where where would people be able to purchase the, the, the book? Uh, the book, you can actually, you can purchase and preview the book. We've set up the website as www.mayorsacrossamerica.com. And that's www.mayorsacrossamerica.com. All one word, no funny characters. Um, and if I could, very next, I'd like to add just one thing. Um, people who do go and look at those site or, or look, take the preview of the book or order the book, um, one of the biggest efforts that we, that for me, the most important things in doing, in putting this book together was that this whole project for me was a huge discovery. And it was a fantastic journey where I, d- I just discovered so much about myself and about, about the country, about mayors and what that is, and about riding a, cy- a bicycle across the country. And so I've, I've really tried not to editorialize the entire experience in terms of, you know, this. then we met this mayor and he was cool or, you know, the, I, none of that's in there. I've really tried to design the book, uh, working with the guys, to, to allow for people to have their own discovery. And, and so when, when you look at it, when people order the book and you get it and you sit in front of it, I would encourage people to, to sit there and, and kind of close your eyes and imagine you're on a bicycle and, and, and make your own discoveries. And, and I think you'll really enjoy uh, looking through the book. And if people do uh, make some unique discoveries, by all means, I'd love to hear from them. I'd love to hear the feedback because people, people will come to me and, and tell me something about one of the photographs and they're going, gosh, I never thought about it that way. I never even saw that, but it's interesting. So I would encourage people to uh, go into it ready to discover something new. Great. Well, thanks again. Well, thank you, and thank you so much for having me and for all your work and, and, uh, and this hard work. That I know it's not easy to put these things together, and I appreciate you taking the time to do it for all of our benefit. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. I've recently created a Flickr group for listeners to dialogue and share images. So if you haven't already, sign up and connect with the thousands of listeners that regularly tune in to the show. You can also contact me via email at thecandidframe at gmail.com post a message on the blog 
or on the fan book page at facebook.com. Till next time, this is Ibarian X Pirello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.